Welcome to the George Washington University Business of Sports podcast. We talk about sports, careers, mentors, networking, and a lot more here. And we do the show from the GW campus in Foggy Bottom. I'm Mark Hyman, professor in the sports management program, and my producer is Henry Levy. My guest today is Alexa Herndon, Vice President for Human Resources at the Washington Nationals. And in this conversation, we talked about the demanding hours that are required in baseball, Alexa's least favorite job, her first position in baseball, why mentors are important, and the Nationals and the 2018 All-Star Game scheduled for D.C. Alexa Herndon, welcome to GW and welcome to the Business of Sports podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for coming. How many people in a year do the Nationals hire? Well, it varies, but I would say the last several years we've averaged around 800. Hmm, 800. That that's a lot of people. So can you kind of describe for us how many of those do you touch? How many of those job applicants and hires are you personally involved in? I would say about 300. And, and tell us a little bit more about how. Well, what is what is your role? So I oversee the recruiting function, which is responsible for uh, publicizing our openings, screening candidates, shepherding them through the interview process, and consulting with hiring managers on who we're selecting. Um, and in terms of actually meeting face-to-face with applicants, how, how many in a year? And, and tell us a little bit about that process. So to hire 300 positions, we probably speak to, I would say, 900 people for those 300 uh, positions. Um, we tend to phone screen anywhere between five and 10 candidates for a position, and then we usually bring in two to four people for in-person interviews. Mm. You know, baseball is an interesting um, profession in, in, in part because the season is so intense. I mean, during the season, uh, the hours are so crazy. Is, is there a profile? What kind of people want to work in baseball? Well, there's this terminology that um, I think is becoming more and more common. Um, in the business world, grit, people that are able to persevere, people that are able to um, overcome personal and professional challenges, people that are willing to go the extra mile and dig deep to be able to commit physically and psychologically to that kind of workload. Um, so tell us a little bit about about that workload. Um, you know, I, I alluded to the fact that, that the hours can be quite long during the season, but what what is an average day for you during the, you know, you don't, your job is perhaps a little bit different, but what is an average day for you like during the baseball season? And then tell us a little bit about the people who are more involved in, in the actual, um, um, you know, game day uh, prep and, and so forth. What would their day be like? So, um In human resources, we are among the lucky and rare few that do not have game day responsibilities for every single game. Now, we certainly are there when we have issues or major programs or uh, big days, so to speak. But um, 
we tend to work more of a traditional nine to five hours. That does overlap on the tail end with report times for all of our part-time and seasonal staff. So we are meeting with those employees from three to six, say, at the beginning of their day. And what we are generally doing in that time is resolving issues that may have happened for the previous day, planning and communicating changes for the upcoming day, um, and making sure that everybody gets off to a good start. And what about folks who are game day, have game day responsibilities? I mean, what time are they coming in and what time do they leave the park? So it depends um, on the exact position. But if you have game day responsibilities, most people need to stay through the game or at least you know, through the third inning. So that means that we um, support flex time. So those people, of course, aren't expected to be in the office at 8 a.m. if they were here till midnight. So it varies depending on um, what they have in their regular business day planned, as well as what's happening for that particular game and how the game the night before ended. You know, if we are in extra innings or rain delay, um, you know, we do our best to support people to maintain healthy work life. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about Alexa Herndon. Sure. Uh, so you're undergraduate at West Virginia University uh, and then law school at Duquesne. Correct. Um, so this raises some questions about your career path. You're working you know, as an executive in HR. What, what was your thinking when you enrolled in law school? Was it with the intention of being HR, you know, VP for HR for the Nationals? Yeah. So life and your career's uh, path are always funny. So I actually thought that I was going to be a lawyer since very, from a very young age, five-ish, um, and was planning to go work with my father and grandfather at our family law firm. I wanted to get a degree that would help me manage our business uh, of the law firm, so I decided on an undergraduate in business. And I gradu- uh, gravitated towards all of the human resources courses in business school. So I um, did an undergraduate in human resources. I then went on to law school, but through that time I sort of realized that maybe I didn't want to go back and work in the family law firm. But I continued to pursue my law degree, and in my second year of law school, I got one of the big uh, summer law firm jobs at a national labor and employment law firm. I was very excited, but I hated every moment. So there was this big, you know, esoteric crisis of, I've worked my whole life, and now what am I going to do? Because I hate it. So I really reflected on the parts of the job that I enjoyed, and that was when clients would call us and ask us for our advice on how to handle something, or we would counsel them on how to approach a particular situation. And so I said, how can I do that all the time? So I thought about who we were working with closely on the client side, and it was the head of human resources um, or inside counsel. So I decided that um, I was going to go back and get enroll in the joint JD and MBA program. And I had enough time uh, left in my JD um, that I was able to accomplish that in four years. So I uh, graduated with my JD and MBA together. And then what happened? Because, you know, eventually the path led you to baseball. So how did I get into sports? Well, um, I'm always fearful to share this, 
Um, but I'm really not a sports person. Um, That's a shocking. I know. I know. I know exactly. I never dreamed to work in sports, but it's funny how life works out and how you need to um, embrace opportunities as they come to you throughout your career. So as part of my business school program, I needed to complete a diversity and inclusion plan for a local business. And the professor reached out to alumni of the business school asking if any of their businesses needed this service, you know, get some free graduate students come in and help you out. Who doesn't love that? Um, And I was randomly assigned to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I was then able to turn that class project into an individual internship, a part-time job, and then a full-time job. Mm, So the power of networking. Exactly. And careers are, you know, serendipity. There's a lot of serendipity. There is. Interesting. So you did not go directly from the Pirates to the Nationals. There was a period in between. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that. So I worked at the Pirates and... You know, one thing that people really need to understand about sports organizations and most teams is that at the end of the day, they're mostly family-run businesses, and they tend to be very small um, organizations. They're big brands, but the number of people that work there in full-time positions are small. The HR department at the Pirates was only three or four people, so there was not a lot of opportunity for professional career growth. I grew my role but there was not an advancement opportunity for me there. And since I wasn't a sports fanatic or desperate to work in sports, I said, all right, well, how am I gonna grow my career? And I had to make the difficult decision to look for opportunities outside of sports industry. So I went to a global um, medical device and scientific instruments company, uh, first in Pittsburgh, and then I was transferred and promoted to uh, their factory in Silicon Valley. So I got moved to California, lived in California for five years and oversaw um, factories and locations in Canada, Texas, Boston. Um, so it was a wonderful experience. I worked there for almost 10 years and really got um, exposure to more corporate HR functions. And then I had just, uh, we had just had our first child. We were living out in California with far from family and decided that it was time to get back east and through um, previous friends and my network i learned of the nationals opening and i interviewed and the rest is history Hmm. what an amazing story i mean Mm -hmm. what is the lesson in that for for students you know in our program coming out of school what do you think the the kind of teaching moment is from your career path? Well, the person that I've kept in contact with that notified me of the Nationals position was somebody that I actually hired as an intern at the Pirates. And we have maintained a you know professional friendship and been in touch for 10 years. It was almost 10 years between when we worked together and when she recommended me for the Nationals opportunity. So I think it speaks to the power of networking, but also how these networking relationships span over decades and these relationships are important to maintain for the long term. How about mentors? Do you Can you point to somebody that you've met along the way who you regard as a mentor? Absolutely, absolutely. 
I think that um, one of the things that I value most in my mentor is the being able to kind of call me on my stuff when I'm kind of going down a path, you know, based on my emotions or my own personal feelings. And they're like, you need to really think about this from a different perspective or you're off base there. Think about it this way. Um, is being sort of that voice of reason or that sounding board or that devil's advocate that helps you get a better perspective. Are you going to tell us who this mentor is? Sounds like a wonderful (laughs) friend. She's a colleague and friend that I worked with at the medical device company and that we still uh, maintain contact. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before we let you go, uh, the All-Star Game. Yes. The Major League Baseball All-Star Game is in Washington, D.C. We can't wait. So um, has that changed your life in any way? And what, what are your responsibilities going to be, um, you know, from today until July? Well, everybody says that the All-Star Game is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But I'm very lucky because I also was able to participate in the All-Star Game with the Pirates in 2006. So I definitely understand what I'm in for, but I'm still looking forward to it. Um, My uh, primary responsibility is going to be overseeing um, the volunteer program. We need 2,000 volunteers to help support all the fun and excitement and activities that are happening in Washington, D.C. for the week around the All-Star Game. People think of the All-Star Game as, you know, one day in time, but there is a week-long fun and festivities that surround the event. So we have wonderful opportunities. for Washingtonians to help support us. Mm. Great. Well, we're, I think anybody who is lives in this area is really looking forward to the All-Star Game and, and, um, and lots of volunteer opportunities that we're going to be talking about. So thank you so much. It's great to have you on the podcast, and we'll look forward to seeing you soon in the lead-up to the All-Star Game. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Okay.